Uh, can I just get a minimum chips, please? Hello and welcome to Minimum Chips, a podcast putting the nom 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 back in economics. It's the world of money as seen through the eyes of a comedian and a real life economist. Oh, did I mention we're brothers too? So there'll be fights. This episode, we're talking, going to be talking about the Australian property market. Fair to say that the media, at least, would have you believe that we're in for a hell of a ride. Turbulent times ahead, of course. This podcast comes to you from the midst of the global pandemic, the coronavirus. And everyone's, I think, uh, a bit nervous about the next, what the next six months, 12 months, two years, five years, 10 years might hold for the property market. So uh, perhaps kick us off, Tom, where are we at? It's, it's an interesting time for the property markets. We had on the back of the APRA restrictions that kicked in in 2016, which was basically APRA is the, the government body that, that regulates the banks and makes sure that they're not doing things they shouldn't be doing. Hmm. They were looking at what the banks were doing with their lending, particularly with interest-only mortgages. I thought they were being a bit loose, they're being a bit, uh, the credit taps on just a bit too full bore, a bit relaxed with the lending standards. They were worried about how quickly interest-only mortgages were growing uh, in particular. So, so just quickly, what's the attraction of an interest-only mortgage? Like when I took out my mortgage, I'm like, I want to pay it off as quick as I can. The mm, only way to do mm. that. Is it, is it you can get into the market easier with an interest-only mortgage? Uh, it's, yeah, it's definitely, definitely true. Like a lot of people, um, like first-time owners might have first-time buyers might be looking at interest-only mortgage because it, the mortgage repayments in that interest-only period are cheaper. Um, and so they can get into a house that they otherwise might not have and then hope or plan that after the interest-only <laughs> period expires and it rolls over to principal and interest and they've got to start paying the principal back that, you know, maybe they're, they're working again, maybe the, the part, partner's got a sec, got, they've got another job in the household and they right. can make that principal and interest payment. It's also attractive to investors who, you know, looking at the, the cash flow from the property, from, from a rental property, um, if the, you know, you're only thinking to maybe hold the property for five years, not get into the actual principal payment, um, the property's cash flow positive in, the, in those early stages. Right. So can be in, attractive to investors. And that's what APRA was particularly worried about. It was interest-only lending and interest-only lending to investors. The way the, the housing bears in particular would characterise that stage of the market is it's saying it's a speculative bubble. People are borrowing with no intention of paying it back um, they're borrowing, they're paying interest, they're buying interest only because they're just banking on holding the property in that cheap period, using the rent to pay that back. The rent wouldn't cover the full principal and interest payments. Yeah. Um, so they use the rent to cover that interest only period and then capital values increase in that time and then they either draw down the equity or they sell it off. So, I, yeah, is it a bit similar to um, borrowing for, to invest? Like... Is it's there... exactly borrowing. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what an investor mortgage is. I'm glad we get. Yeah, let's start at the ground floor. Now you know, like if if I borrow money to invest in something, like buy some shares, like the risk is if the shares decrease in value, then the you, you're in you're in the shit. You you're gonna lose. So mm. and and is and is it fair to say though that the the property market in Australia, at least up until now, has been a pretty safe bet. Like it's, it's, you know, if I went and bought some Apple shares, if I borrowed 100k from the bank and went and bought some Apple shares or whatever it is, there's, you know, that could go either way. Um, probably Apple's a bad example, 
maybe if I bought, you know, Conliff Ruder's shares <laughs> or some <laughs> some other fruit magnate, um, <laughs> then. But but the the housing market in Australia is it was seen so as a safe bet. Yeah, and typically it is. I mean, and you look at you look at like the leverage that you can get on a mortgage versus a share. So like if you yeah. like if you go to into ANZ Bank to pick any particular bank and said, I want to borrow to invest in a house, you know, you can potentially get 95% of the value of the house. Yeah. Now, if you go into the ANZ and said, I want to borrow to invest in ANZ shares, yeah. you know, you're not going to get more than 60%, 60 70% tops. They've got to back themselves, don't they? They do. They just lack confidence. <laughs> if I went into ANZ and said, I want to borrow some money to invest in ANZ shares, and ANZ said, oh, <laughs> we're not Ooh. confident, to be honest. <laughs> Don't like the risks there. <laughs> uh, but I take your point. Right, so where are we at now then with the, the housing market? So everyone's borrowed all this money for interest-only loans and now it's tanking. <laughs> uh, I'm going to try and bring some of the sensationalist journo yeah, to this. Right, um, yeah. But I'm not, I'm not really. Only because I, I did read an article today from, I think it was Channel 7, who, who mm. found some expert, as we've done here, um, mm, no credibility mm. whatsoever. Um, <laughs> no, I found an Did expert. Did you have a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> he said housing, the housing market in Australia could uh, drop as much as 50%. Yeah, right. Yeah, in the next, I don't know what he said. I stopped reading after the headline as we yeah. all do. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot. I'm going to go and ask someone about this. Yeah, le- let me just rewind just a little bit before we get to that. So. What I was saying, so the APRA, those APRA restrictions kicked in in 2016 and the property market started to freeze up a little bit and prices over the next 18 months fell about 10% nationally. Right. And then at the, at the end, uh, in the sort of like mid-2019, the property market started to turn around because APRA started relaxing those things, so those restrictions, and it took, it took its foot off the brake effectively. It started seeing what was going on in the mortgage market and what banks were doing and went, we're a bit more comfortable with what's going on now. We're going to relax things a bit. And the property market started to pick up. And coming into the start of 2020, uh, property prices were going quite strongly. And a lot of property analysts were looking for double-digit growth in 2020. So by the time the coronavirus hit was just as the property market was kind of starting to hit a stride and, and property prices were starting to get a run on again. And that's sort of kind of interesting because it sort of means that this is happening at a time where sort of the basics of the market was, were pointing to an improvement, that the, the, the prices, the outlook for prices was good, vacancy rates were low, rents were, you know, solid. Um, and then coronavirus has come and turned, turned that all around and flipped everything on its head. Yeah, and, and there's a, there's a, it's a unique period in time because the range of expectations now across most, you know, seasoned economists, economists that have a podcast, they're looking at, say, 10 to both 30%. I thought CBA, um, SQM Research is another well-respected place. They're saying, like, the worst-case scenario at the moment is 30% fall in prices. And yeah. so... And that's what, it's, that's what I'd heard up until today as well, was 30%. Oh, yeah. And mm. then today, I, like, before we jumped on tonight, I said, I thought I'd better do some research for this, this podcast that I'm going to ask you about. Mm. Um, and so I just typed in Australian housing market and the first link was that it's going to drop by 50% according to uh. Channel 7's investigative journalism. So that's where I got that from. Um, 
don't take it to the bank. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I would say. They don't want to know about it. <laughs> they don't want to know. So the coronavirus, mm. though, this is literally just like a supply and demand thing, right? So coronavirus has basically said um, we're taking away lots of people's jobs. People have lost their jobs. People are struggling to make mortgage repayments. They're struggling to... There's no demand in the market for houses because no one can afford to, to take out a mortgage at the moment. There's a lot of uncertainty around future. That That's... Is that the kind of only thing that's driving this this decline? Yeah, I, I mean it's true. Like in, in economics, the supply and demand framework never fails you. Like to yeah. understand prices, it's always about supply and demand. Yeah, it, it gets complex in trying to understand what demand is and what supply is. Right. And and housing the market in particular is complex because on the demand side, you know, it's how many people at a basic level, it's how many people need homes. Like yeah. that's that's the basic level of demand, but prices. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, this this can change as well because you have household formation shifts as well during a cycle. So, right. like, so right now, like they're talking about a lot of a lot of young people who would normally be going out and forming a share house, starting out on their own. They're holding off. They're going actually. Yeah, it's a good time to stay in the in the basement of my my parents' place right now. I'm not going to go out and form a new household. Not going to go out anywhere. Not going to go. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> In saying that, they might be staying. They might actually be saving because they're not going. They're, you know, this is probably the best time to save for a deposit. If you're a pure young person now, you're not going out. You know, take that three hundred dollars or whatever you spend on a Saturday night, put it into a home loan deposit because houses are going to be cheap soon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, they're going to be cheaper. Right. I don't think there's no no one's talking about prices not falling. Right. You know, the the most bullish case I've seen is Chris Joy at the AFR, and he's talking about a five percent decline, which I think I personally think is is optimistic, but yeah. it's also possible. I mean, and the other thing about the housing market is it's it's a very stodgy market. It's not a liquid market, so you don't you don't get the prices of property don't fall thirty percent overnight because it just takes a long time to sell a property. Yep. You know, you've got to get it ready, you've got to paint the outside, you've got to get a real estate agent, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So you don't, you don't get like these massive run-ons. You can't just click a button and sell all your, all your property. And people don't, and tend to, particularly when the market's falling, a lot of people don't tend to sell. People pull their houses back out of the market, um, which is the supply question as well. So supply is not just about how many houses we're building, but it's how about how many people, how many houses people are selling at any given point in time. And so if they're, so if they're thinking that prices are, are falling and they don't need to sell, then then they won't. They'll hold off. And as yeah, well, that's what I'm doing. Up, well, that's a good mm. question because that's that's my plan. <laughs> Do nothing, um, as is most, as is often my plan. But um, it is a good question because I imagine. Like, I don't know. I've I've sort of wondered. I'm a homeowner. I've got a house. I've got a mortgage. If you were if you were sort of quite willing to take on risk, and move house regularly, would is there any like would you go? I'm going to sell my house while I can, while the going's good, while the price is high. I'm just going to rent for the next five years. Wait mm. till the market dips, like drops the thirty percent. Let's let's say that it drops thirty percent, and then buy back in. Is that smart? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, assuming assuming the practicalities worked out, I don't really want to sell my house and move and and all that stuff. But if you were just a shrewd kind of money driven person, would that work? Potentially, potentially. I mean, you don't really. And I have heard stories of people selling out. You know, like three or four years ago, like I heard stories of people selling out and just going, "I'm renting. I'm waiting for the market to crash." Right, but. 
there have been people waiting for the market to crash in Australia for 20 years now. Yeah. It just, it, it doesn't happen. It just, the market keeps going. Because it is, it's, just, it's a slower sort of story. But just on that point, like, can you time the market and trade? Potentially you can, but you also got stamp duty costs and a whole bunch of other costs every time you transact. Ah, uh, yeah. So um, you've got to kind of... Or your loan you, exit fees and all the rest of it. What you make in the, in, in the price gain, you've got, to, you've got to sort of offset all those costs. And as you're saying, it's a hassle, like, mm. like selling a house. Like a different story if you're an investor and you're offloading some investor properties and you're, you're planning to pick, back, pick them back up in the market. Like that's not such a, a drama. But like selling your house, yeah. find, I, finding a rental in your area with the schools. I guess the reason I ask is because I'm always keen to explore what people don't do because it's a hassle. Do you know what I mean? So like mm-hmm. we, I think it's, we'll, we'll do another podcast on this, but uh, you know, where we can explore things like home loans and switching and fixing and all those kinds of things. But I think the reason, the main reason I hear from friends and people I talk to as to why they don't, you know, why they don't get smarter about their money is because it's a hassle. Like, mm. um, oh, I don't want to switch banks. I don't switch my home loan, even though I could save 2% by going somewhere else because I've got my credit card and my insurance and stuff with that bank and I'd have to move all the things and my kid's swimming direct debit comes out of there and I don't, you know, have you ever rang the pool and tried to get them to do anything with finance? Like, they're in the pocket of big finance, the <laughs> swimming pool. <laughs> they sure are. But, you know, I, yeah. So I, I guess I always mm. like to kind of say, well, it is worth it. I don't know. If you could save mm-hmm. 2% interest rate or something, um, yeah. By switching, and that, again, it's a slightly I mean, bigger. Yeah. It's a bigger proposition to say you should just sell your house and move your kids <laughs> out of school and time the market. Come on, kids, where are we off to, Dad? We're off to time the market. Yeah, the the other thing with that is that the property market is something that has very broad uh, political support for being a target of government support in the time of a crisis. So we saw this in the uh, GFC that... Interest rates are slashed, so that's that's a big plus for for prices. We've seen some interest rate reductions this till we've you know hit hit the lower bound, so so that's in play as well. And then but then you can do things like first homeowner grants, waiving like schemes. They've got a, a, a depo- the government's got a deposit scheme to help first buyers into the market. And Has the government got, more- got any money left to do that stuff though? Like they've been uh, spending up big. Yeah, th- this is a podcast in itself. Um, <laughs> oh, right. But the answer is yes. Yeah, right. They've got because <laughs> they can they, print more money. They can print more money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we, yeah, we, we, do, we should do a session on that. But the, 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 yeah. the, the general wisdom these days is that in a country that issues debt in its own cur- in, in its own currency and has a floating exchange rate, what we call a monetary sovereign sovereign nation. Mm. Um, that can print money, right? With certain caveats, but but we can. Like, look, we can look at what's going on in the US. Look at what's going on in, in every developed country now. Yeah, I tend not to look at what's going on in the US because that's a it's a or bit of a shitstorm over there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, just quickly on on mm. on the international scene, though, like uh, there's there's some other stuff that I've been reading about. China buying up large portions of the Australian housing market if you know like capitalizing on a bubble or on the crash as it were so um, you know if the housing market crashes then there's this perception or at least 
you know, there's certain messaging that says um, if that happens, then China's ready to pounce and they're going to buy up all of our houses. So sounds, <laughs> care to comment a, on that? <laughs> yeah, sounds a bit like fake news, I think. Uh, yeah, uh, it could, could yeah. well be. Um, well, yeah. probably I mean, there, there are restrictions. Like foreigners can't directly buy Australian property. So you've got to be forget maybe at least a permanent resident, right? Like you, so a tem- temporary resident can buy property but needs to sell it when they're when they're leaving the country. And so with residential property, um, foreigners can't buy. The basic law is foreigners can't buy residential property. Right. Well, that's good. I think most people wouldn't know that. Well, right. I didn't. I didn't know that. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, there was it was an interesting sort of story during the last boom where this this rule was in place and it just didn't seem to be being enforced. And right. you had stories of people coming from China and from Asia with suitcases full of money and just buying property, and there were no checks and balances. But it now there was a bit of a review into that, and it now seems that that's been cleaned up quite a lot. At the same time. On the you know at least on the residential side, a lot of that was capital flight out of China. So people in China going like, oh, I need to get my money into a safe place because I don't trust that the government's not going to take it from me at some point. So I'll buy, I'll stick it in Australian property where it is a good store of value. Right. And the Chinese government wasn't too keen on that, so they started clamping down on that. So those two factors together mean that we're not seeing as much foreign buying in the market as we as we were. Is it the is it the baby formula? scenario all over again though where residents are buying baby formula and shipping (laughs) stay with me (laughs) where residents are buying the baby formula and shipping it back to the country like can can a local resident buy a property here and then sell it to a family member in no no i mean yeah i don't know yeah we might cut that out of the we'll we'll edit that out in post well no it's good good to include there's no stupid questions (laughs) I still remember that. I don't even know what edit it out in post means. <laughs> you know, a determined buyer could always find a way. You could find a, someone to hold the property in that person's name. But, the, but then they're, they're taking the risk that, you know, their name isn't on the title. So, so, so yeah, no, it's, it's not something we should be worried about. And it's more likely, like there were, it was more, I think, that issue was around purchase of, of local assets, like good companies that had gone into crisis and then Chinese companies or any, any foreign company would, would buying up good Australian companies at fire sale prices. Um, but then Josh Frydenberg has, has now... So it used to be that the Foreign Investment Review Board needed to sign off on anything over... I don't know what the number was, $4 million or something... Um, but now one of the crisis measures is that's now zero. So any f- foreign takeover of an Australian company now needs to go through the Foreign Investment Review Board. Right. And I think, that, that's, I think that's, that's something smart. I applaud the government for that. Oh, I'm sure that means a lot to the government to have your <laughs> applause. <Yeah>. Bravo. <laughs> um, so we should, probably, we should probably wrap this up. But um, I did want to just ask, so with coronavirus obviously uh, in full swing... <clears throat> Um, we're looking to get back to normal. People are talking about the new normal. Um, I work for a university here in Adelaide um, and we've got buildings all over the place. We're talking about, you know, when we go back to work, what does that look like? I've been working from home for the last, I don't know, two months. People talking now about businesses and, and organisations just won't need as much property anymore. Like 
there's this new normal sort of emerging from the, on the other side of the coronavirus where people are going to be working from home. I guess two, two parts to it. One is that the, the commercial property side might change significantly and are the two things then related? So me as a homeowner or me as look, someone looking to get into the market, into the housing market, is that, is that going to have an effect? Is there a kind of flow-on effect from a drop in commercial rentals or sales or people selling up buildings and things like that? I wouldn't expect so. The The commercial markets and the residential markets don't move in lockstep. You know, they, they, they're driven by the same factors, so interest rates, by what's going on in the broader economy. But they're quite distinct markets and you can think of them in quite distinct ways just because they, they have different uses and, and uh, there's not you don't you don't sell a commercial property and buy a residential property typically. Mm. Commercial is interesting because there have been some big structural shifts with the move to online that's changed the dynamics around retail space, particularly malls. Um, maybe office working is going to change. Um, yeah. That that might have an effect. You know, if if we see you know high-rise houses in the CBD retrofitted to become apartments, that could happen. But it's not. It's not going to. It's not going to move the dial in a major way. I wouldn't think. So I wouldn't. I wouldn't be anticipating any any big shifts in the residential market coming out of what's going on in commercial. I think. It, I mean, you would expect it would be slow, but I think it's it's forcing uh, businesses and organisations to to at least look at it and go. Well, you know, they're going to analyse this time of, and analyse productivity and all those kinds of things with everyone working mm -hmm. from home. You know, everyone's comfortable now. We're doing, you know, we've decided to do a podcast over Zoom. Everyone's getting comfortable with that way of working. You know, that'd be crazy, I think, I think, obviously, not to consider it. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, the I read a stat the other day that the number of people working from home has increased 0.1% over the past 10 years. Right. So practically nothing. And, and about 10, 15 years ago, people were expecting a huge boom in remote working and they were expecting that that was really going to energise your peripheral yeah. property markets because people are going to get out of the city and it just didn't happen and we didn't see it and I think one of the reasons why and probably the main reason why is that the um, work health and safety regulations around working from home are quite restrictive and quite complex mm. and an employer even if you're work an employer has responsibility for your workplace even if that workplace is your home yeah and so I was talking to a HR expert the other day you might know dad. A dad. <laughs> yes. Um, um, and he's saying it's quite, it's, it's just a risky proposition for the employers because, because they can't control what's going on at home. Yeah. Um, I imagine there's a whole legal minefield there. Like Legal minefield, yeah. Because it's not just working from home. It's but then, you know, like what, who covers you for your commute to work? I think you're still responsible for that, aren't you? Oh, no, that's true. You remember when mum was bitten by that dog riding to work? <laughs> Back in the day. I shouldn't laugh, yes. <laughs> no, it was just that we're building a podcast around family <laughs> anecdotes. <laughs> but I think I think because she was riding to work at the time, she got a compo claim out of it. Really? Mm. Ah, she's a she's a scam yeah, from she was way back at, yeah, oh my God. The system. <laughs> she still wears a bandage. Yeah. Just give it a rest, Mum. <laughs> <laughs> it was 20 years ago. Yeah, you know, we had to, we had to pretend we were all traumatised for <laughs> several months. We've certainly talked about it, you know, in our house. We've talked about, well, why do we need to live where we are? We could move wherever. If, if we can all start working from home, everything expands. You know, your opportunities expand in terms of where you want to live. If you want to live near the beach, then you just 
you just drive as far as you can along the beach mm. until you you reach your your housing price <laughs> and yeah. you work there i mean obviously yeah, there yeah. are other things there's community there's um you know schooling yeah. there's um you know i like being near the city i like going into the yeah. city it's still a fun place I think, to go yeah i think it, i mean it's if if there was a big shift to remote working i think that, that would shift would change the certain property markets yeah but i think it's it's interesting that it hasn't happened yet and i think there are some structural barriers to it happening that mean that it hasn't happened yet and mm. i personally think that it's more likely that we'll see that kind of shift driven by <coughs> personal drones than remote you reckon working. that's a big call you heard it here first yeah. folks minimum chips <laughs> thomas is banking on personal drones driving the next housing price shift is that, is yeah, that fair? That's, that's, my, that's my call. <laughs> I'm going to be first. This is, this is what economics is about. You make these big calls like 10 years out. In 10 years, no one remembers. But yeah. if you get lucky, you yeah. go, hey, I called this 10 years ago. I'm a visionary. Yeah. So we, we're just going to shift to like housing as a service. Is that <laughs> like to borrow a, an IT phrase? Everything, that's a big shift. Everything was as a service now. So you don't buy software anymore. You don't. You don't buy hardware, you don't buy infrastructure, everything is as a service. Um, I even saw some headphones the other day that were being offered as a service headphones. So, right. Uh, That's I, what renting is basically, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much, yes. Mm. <laughs> this is why yeah. you're the expert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, all right. We'll talk about drone tech. Another, <laughs> I another think. Time. I think we should. I think, I think obviously it would be remiss of any economics and finance podcast to not cover <laughs> off drone te- technology and the impact that will have on the housing market. Mm. But let, let's just come back to that original question of, of, that, of the outlook, maybe mm. to wrap up, because I think people are still hanging on that, like what is the outlook for prices? Yes. And I think, I think you can, I, personally, I think you can bake in price falls at 10%. I can't, I can't see the market avoiding that in right. the short term. And then, then it's really how long is the virus with us? Like how long... Are people not able to work? How like the mor- uh, mortgage holidays end after six months? What happens if we're still with the virus? Then how long can we keep pu- giving people mortgage holidays? Yeah, all the things are wrapping up now. Like you know, the childcare, free childcare is wrapping up. The mm-hmm. like, there's just there's all these little expenses that the kind of government covered for a bit that are going to start coming back into people's budgets. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it's it's going to get. Tough. Yeah, that's right, and that, and that's typically what drives house price falls. Is you, you you don't really see house prices fall until you start seeing unemployment rising and people's incomes falling. Mm. The basic cycle prices tend not to fall because people don't sell unless they have to. Yeah, and so you're not going to see prices fall unless people are getting into forced sales where they're like, okay, I can't afford this anymore. I need to sell. Yeah, and if you have then you have the potential for a rush to the exits where everyone's like, oh, I can't afford my property, I need to sell. Yeah, and then prices could fall quite sharply. Mm. And then, you know, 50%, it's theoretically possible. You know, and that, and theoret- 50% only takes us back to 2012 prices or something like that. So yeah, wow. it's, it's not like totally wild, crazy prediction mm. in, in the scheme of things. Like, it, it's, you know, it's a strong prediction. Like, there's, that's definitely not the consensus view yeah um that's 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 an extreme example but it's 
it's conceivable. It's, it, it could happen. All right. Well, I reckon that's, uh, that's going to do us for episode number one of Minimum Chips. Thanks for listening, if you're listening, tuning in. Be sure to, to subscribe to the podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, Minimum Chips. Next week, we're going to be talking about interest rates and home loans, is what I want to pick your brain about next week. So uh, if you're thinking about you know, your home loan, you're thinking about what you're doing with your home loan, uh, what are interest rates going to do, Uh, fixing, not fixing, uh, what does it all mean, then uh, tune in because I've got some questions and hopefully, Thomas, you're going to have some answers. I will by next week now that you give me the heads up. (laughs) Glad I stuck around. Yeah, thanks for staying to the end (laughs) to hear what your homework was for next week. (laughs) All right, uh, that's that's us done and dusted for the first week. Uh, Stay safe out there among all the the corona and uh, we look forward to your company again next time. See you later. The information in this podcast is of a general nature only and does not take into account the objectives, financial situation or needs of any particular person. Before making an investment decision you should consult with your financial advisor and consider how appropriate the advice, if any, is to your objectives, financial situation and needs.